coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I feel like I'm a cash cow. You're her husband, man. I don't think she's ever, uh, she's always had a safety net. I don't think she's ever been desperate like I have. She's your wife. What's the matter with you? Dude. What do you mean she's my wife? What, What does that have to do with it? I am my wife's safety net. What's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. So glad that you're with us. Talking about marriage and parenting and mental health and whatever else is going on in your life on the greatest marriage and parenting and mental health podcast in the history of the planet. Um, And since podcasts have been around for like 10 years, it's a bold statement. Bold statement. You want to be on the show? Give me a buzz. 1-844-844. 693-3291. That's 1-844-693-3291. Um, or you can go to johndeloney.com slash ask and fill out the form like it's 1982. And then uh, Jenna will give you a buzz. Not a... What are the drinks called? White Claw? Yes. Are those like hard seltzers? I think so. Yeah. Like It's like alcohol for kids. For children? It's like what we used to drink in high school, like Bartles and James. Exactly. Put Skittles yeah. in it. And, okay. That's not the kind of buzz Jenna will give you is what I'm trying to say. Um, she will not... She will... She, while intoxicating... I'm just... This turning this into an HR mess. She is intoxicating. She's not going to give you a buzz. Um, she's going to call you on, on... All right. Let's go to Brian in Evanston. This thing's just going to get off the rails before we even get going. What's up, Brian? Hey, how's it going? What's up, B-Money? Good, dude. You? Good. It's uh, good to talk to you again. You too, man. Again, have we talked before? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you actually named uh, the episode after my thing. <laughs> oh, so quick insider baseball. I don't ever name any of the episodes. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's Kelly's job. Very cool. Somebody did. Yeah, there you go. Hey, so what's up, man? Yeah, what, so, hey, uh, what, hold on. I'm, what did I'm, we talk about last time? Uh, my About my ex-wife and how she's an emotional terrorist. And uh, it was, I think it was back in April, so it was quite a while ago. <laughs> Every, I don't quite remember it, but everyone in the booth was like, oh, yeah, we remember Brian. All right. So welcome back, yeah. Brian. It's good to see you again. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so my, my question was, like, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with my wife, and and I'm trying to keep it from turning into resentment from her. Okay. This is your current um, wife. Yeah, yeah, my current wife. Okay. And, uh, you know, she's, she's been going to school to get her bachelor's degree and, uh, you know, it's taken her 10 years and, you know, she started with an associates okay. and, uh, you know, she's racked up a bunch of student loan debt and, uh, you know, now she's, she's at the end here and, and, you know, she keeps failing this test she has to take. And every time it's like 150 bucks. And I mean, uh, I mean, I don't think she's stupid for sure. Like she's smart. I just don't understand why she keeps failing it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm almost starting to resent her for it. Cause I mean, it's like, I'm financing her dreams while I have to work a job that I really don't like just so we can pay the bills, you know? Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of where to start. So right out of the gate, you already resent her, dude. You don't like her. You're annoyed by her and she pisses you off. Let's just cut to it. And like, yeah. let's be honest. She does. Um, that's a wrong. that's a tough place to be. Um, what is she going to school for? What's taken ten years to get sixty credit hours? 
early childhood development. Um, and, uh, you what, know, what it, test, it's just, what, there's no exit test for, for, it's, uh, it's, EDC. it's for a certification. It's called the Praxis test. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, what does she want to do? She wants to, you know, uh, she wants to work with special ed kids, but, uh, you know, with that degree, with her degree, she could go, you know, work up to like, uh, teach up to like third grade, I think. So she, let me just be real clear. She has no interest in doing this. She hasn't for well, a decade. I would hope she does. She, she this she, is like it, her, it, her dream it's, job. It's, you know? it's absolutely not hundred percent. It's not, I guarantee you it's not. Well, Here's how I know. Here's how I know. Um, and dude, you're gonna have to chill out and I know you're pissed off, but you have to chill out. Um, yeah. If this was her dream, she would have done 60 hours in 18 months. There would, there's a, you're around, if when you're around people who are obsessive about a dream, the thing that they really want to do, they make it happen. They don't take a decade yeah. to get 60 hours. And you're talking to a guy that got two PhDs and had kids and I was working a full-time job and I was married. I was obsessed. Right. Yeah. We got, we got four kids. She works at the school right now mm -hmm. as a paraeducator or whatever. And I know, dude, can oh, you just uh, hear well, your voice? You don't like her. <laughs> I don't like what she's doing. No, no, you don't like her. Well, Why? I, I, Why? I, I like to think that I like her at least. <laughs> I, I would too. She, you're, she, she's the mother of your kids, four years and all this. Is it something? Yeah. I feel like I'm her cash cow. You're her like, husband, uh, that's man. What I feel like. Yeah, but I feel like I'm just her cash cow because, I mean, you know, she's she's going through all this schooling, costing a bunch of money, and like she like she didn't work all summer. And, you know, we've been doing the Dave Ramsey thing, trying to pay off debt. She didn't, she didn't want to get a job this whole summer. And she doesn't make any money while she's, while she's off. And, you know, so I've been, I've been supporting the family for three months now. And, and, you know, it's just, it's frustrating me pretty bad. And, and I can't even tell her about it because then she'll start crying and, and, uh, you know, it, cause, uh, she'll shut down. Which, like, she'll just clam right up. I, Dude, I'm clamming right up now talking to you. Why? Because, man, you're coming at me like I did something. Like your whole, your whole, ang you, you are so full of anger. I can hear it in you, man. And the way you just come, you're not interested in a discussion or a, hey, what's next? It's a, I've got to get this out. And let me be honest. It's okay to do that. It's super okay. Right? I'm not, you're going to hurt my feelings. Um, but I absolutely can see you being a lot. My question for you is this. This is not the ultimate issue. There's something beneath this or beneath that. And here's, let me throw a couple of ideas out there. Number one, you got, how old your, your oldest kid? 15. 15. And what's your youngest? Uh, should be five next month. Okay. So... You've got four kids. Things are chaotic. Bills are very, very tight. You found yourself in a mess. You're um, with a 15-year-old all the way down to a five-year-old. I'm just guessing here. This is most couples. This doesn't have to be you. Your sex life screwed up. Your time alone with your wife is screwed up. Your friends are screwed up. Like It's just you're just running and running and running. And whenever we're running, 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 we start looking for who's not doing their part, right? And so it becomes this 
woe is me, woe is me kind of thing. Um, that could be one of them. It could be that you don't like who you've become and I'm going to go, right? I don't know what the deal is, but there's something beneath the thing. What is the thing beneath the thing? I'm not attracted to my wife anymore. I think she's lazy. I don't like her character. Like, what is the thing beneath the thing? Because this is, um, it, you know, it's been going on for 10 years, brother. And so it would have boiled up before now is what I'm saying. I guess maybe, maybe I don't like her character. I don't like her. I don't really like her work ethic. She, you know, she almost seems like she just doesn't care about, uh, anything. Who takes like care of me, these four uh, kids? Well, uh, we, we, you know, she's at home with them right now just cause she's, uh, uh, you know, it's summer vacation and, uh, but, but they'll be in school, you know, I mean, I, I'm home every night, uh, you know, even though I'm a truck driver, but you know, I'm, I'm there with her. But like you know, I, uh, she's just sitting around all day, watching reality TV and crap. And uh, you know, have you, like, have, you ever, have, and, have you ever and, stayed at home with four kids? Yeah, yeah, I've done that. And there's just nothing going on. You know, she just sitting around. Well, well, yeah. I mean, she's you know, she's just sitting around. Uh, you know, the kids are tearing the house apart, and you know, it's not necessarily that I need her to, I want her to clean up, you know, like the house has to be immaculate and dinner has to be on the table when I get home. But, you know, I mean, uh, like, uh, she, you know, it just doesn't seem like she's putting forth any effort. Uh, like it's almost like she just doesn't care. I mean, like we, we don't even think the same about money. We, you know, she, she sees like 500 bucks in our account and, and I see no money and, you know, and we can't even get, we can't even be on the same page about that. Why? You know, it's it's like well, we're, we're living two separate lives. That's that's it right there. That's it right there. Well, that's, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I can, because if I, if I try to give her not maybe some advice, I, I probably do come off as overbearing and arrogant. 100%. And, yeah. And, and, you know, but like she's, she's telling me, well, why, why is your way the right way? That's a very <laughs> fair I mean, question. It's a fair it's a, question. It's a fair question, but I, I don't think she's ever, uh, she's always had a safety net. I don't think she's ever been desperate like I have. I've she's been your wife. What's the matter with you? Dude. What do you she, mean she's my wife? What, what does that have to do with it? I don't ever, ever, I am my wife's safety net. Well, I, and she's yeah, mine. I'm just saying, I don't ever yeah, want my wife to have to feel desperate. What are you talking about? I'm just saying, in her younger years, she's never had to feel desperate, like like with money, you know. I, I I'm her safety net. I I, wor- I go out work seventy hours a week, and you know, I, I mean, I I take care of them. I don't want her to feel desperate now, but I'm just saying she never did, and that's why I, I think that's why she feels that like money is not important or something, you know. Hmm. I don't know. I am I, arrogant and I, and I have a big ego. I can admit that. So, uh, here's what it sounds like, dude. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. Sounds like you are real, real freaking lonely. That sounds like 100%. you are real lonely. And, yeah, and I'm surrounded by people. That's exactly right. And you're drowning. Yes. Right. On a boat full of people. And it was a revelation to me when I learned that male depression often, male loneliness, male depression often comes out with volume. 
with anger, with you need to fix fill in the blank. And anytime I'm sitting with somebody like I am with you right now, who is, who is this much disdain for his wife. And yes, you could say, I love her. If somebody tried to come into the house, I'd fight them all. Yes, you, you could do the Willem, William Wallace stuff, but you don't like her. You have disdain for her. And that's not like just my wife, but like you wouldn't marry this person again if you knew them. And that circles back in this world to you. And quite unfortunately, she's on the phone. So you have her call me one day and I talk to her about all of her soap opera watching and her bonbon eating, which I, I, I take issue with. That's a whole other call. What do you need, man? I don't know. What do you need? You do, you do, man. What do you need? What's scaring you? I I feel like, I feel like she doesn't. No, no, no. Quit talking about her. What scares you? Okay. Uh, I I guess being completely alone with no people around me or something. Uh, That, that, that scares me being divorced again. And (laughs) Hey, you, you are real, real close to that. And you know that. Yeah. Have you started talking to somebody else? About divorce? No, I don't like. I don't have. No, 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 no. Not about divorce. Is is there? Uh, Are you talking to somebody else? Are you seeing somebody else? Are you texting somebody else? Oh no, 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 no. Okay. No, I'm no cheater. (laughs) Okay. Um. Yeah, this thing's dangerous to dangerously close to getting off the rails. But again, you've been down this road. You know that. What scares you? Yeah. Are you scared about money, uh, man? Scary, Are you scared about not having enough? Are you scared about your kids? Are you scared about yeah, the state of the world? What are you scared about, about? I'm scared about never, ever making enough money. And, she, and you know, I'm, okay, I'm let, scared. Okay, let's stop, of, stop right there. Uh, what can you do about that? I don't know. Make more money, I suppose. Have you well, ever? I, mean, I, I don't know. Have you ever sat down with your wife and said, I'm scared? Yeah. And she just said, I don't care. Yeah, and then she, Move over. Uh, yeah, well, Real Housewives of says, Atlanta's coming on. Yeah, she says we're fine. Like, why are you scared? We're fine. Is she right? You know, and no, well, I mean, maybe it, it, to a point, but you know, like, like I, I don't feel like we're fine. And I feel like once you get to the point where you're fine and you don't have this anxiety, then, then you're, you're, you're going to end up like, you know, uh, losing losing everything in the end. Why? Why do you think that, man? I don't know. Maybe I know I'm I'm pretty pessimistic. I like to think of myself as a realist, but um, you know, I, I just I just feel like if I'm not anxious about you know getting the mortgage paid, mm-hmm. then the mortgage won't get paid. Have you ever missed a payment? You know, no. Okay, so the data tells me you're a guy that pays his bills. Yeah. And you also tell me you're a guy who's on a plan to get out of debt. You are. Yeah. But I'll tell you as a guy that nearly burned my wife to the ground with my anxiety and my, oh yeah, but this could happen. And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And I had an emergency fund for our emergency fund. And I wouldn't take vacations for a decade so that I could pay this off so I could pay that off. 
And eventually my wife said, I don't want this life. Yes, we may here, 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 ultimately brother, here was the line that, that, that was the bellwether line for me. And it wasn't from my wife. It was from my buddy. And I came to find out that she had talked to him and said, I'm worried about John. And the line he gave me, cause we were talking about money. He's a banker. He's a savant. And we were talking about this and what about the dollar? And then what happens here and how much do I need saved? And then what about the investment here? And I'm gonna put this in. And finally he said, dude, I don't have a meteorite plan. I said, what does that mean? And he said, I got, I, I'm saving money. I'm trying to pay off my debts and all that. But dude, if the dollar implodes and we're trading gold and coffee, I'll deal with that when we get there because I'm gonna have to shoot my neighbor's dog for food. And what I would tell you is you have a plan. What you don't have is the skill set to be an engaged father. You do not have the skill set to be an engaged, loving, present husband. Those are tools and skills you don't have. And until you decide, I want to get those, your body feels like it's on fire every time you're around them and it gets pushed off into proxy things like money. And if you guys got a million dollars today, within a month, it would be about something else, how clean the house is. And then you hire a maid and then within a month, it would be about something else. Your body's going to continue to find something to blame, to heal the internal, to put a bandaid over that internal chaos, which is relationship. And until you are enough of a brave, courageous man, which I'm hoping this phone call is that, to say, I am scared of being alone. I'm scared of my 15-year-old son or daughter looking at me and saying, I don't like being around that guy. Or a five-year-old that would rather play a video game than be engaged with his old man. Then you say, I don't have enough, I don't have the skills, the tools. I don't know how to do this. And I'm going to go learn those skills and tools. And I'll tell you right now, you can turn all that around. That's yeah. where that's where we are. Along the way, you will have to address your conversation with your wife, but that's not where you start, brother. You start in the mirror. And you work too hard and you love too deeply to feel this alone. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know where to start. I don't know how to how to do that. That's fair. I feel like I'm lying to myself, you know. You are. <laughs> you are. You are. And here's the other thing. Well, this is it's, it's a common thing with men, myself included here, right? Is I'm not I, I don't know how to I don't know how to do dad. I'm not good at it. And when I tried early on, my wife was like, what are you doing? That's not how you do a diaper. That, no, you got to warm the bottle up to this, not to that. And you can't put that in the microwave. What do you do? And I found myself early on, I was better at work than I was at home. So I just started spending time there because that's where I was good at what I did. And I felt like I could help there. And you probably heard me talk about on the show. It was just this, this year that my wife looked at me with her hands on my face and said, John, we have enough. We need you. And then I thought, oh, crap, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So it sounds like your wife has not checked out of, uh, is not lazy. It sounds like she, she's, she quit because you're probably a lot. I my, am a lot. I'll give you that. And my <laughs> guess is she doesn't have a path to victory with you. That, tell me I'm Probably wrong. Not, you could say, Delona, you're full of crap. You're wrong. 
No, I think you're. I think you're right. But if she got her degree right now and she went and got a job, she may have awareness that there's. You may not think I'm doing anything, but somebody the laundry of four kids plus a a, a, a driver has to get done, and the this has to get done, and the that has to get done. All these things have to get done. The life house will still move on, and. I'm going to go make 40,000 and within a few months, my husband, Brian's going to ask me, why aren't you making 50? And why aren't you making 60? Why, like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm out. And again, I may be way well, out to like lunch to on that, dude. That, I would like to think that, that, you know, her making 40 grand would be a big help. Uh, would it? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, it, it seems like, it, well, yeah. I mean, I, like, I'm almost obsessed with paying off debt. And it's like she doesn't care. I feel like I'm dragging her to get to you know to pay off debt. Yeah. And I, I maybe I'm not. I, I, no, you, you might you might head. actually be. But it, it, what I'm going to tell you is you're you're going to not only not pay off your debt by doing that, you're going to lose your marriage too. Yeah. And, and at some point you'll have to come together because the whole point of doing something together like this, the reason that you pay off debt with somebody else. It's because it forces you to the table to say, who do we want to become? Who do we want to be? Where do we want to go? And let's do the things that we need to do to get there. And that often, not always, not, I want to say even often, sometimes it results in people need to go get counseling because I know I want to lose 100 pounds and I know that it's diet and exercise. For some reason, I can't stop and I need to go get some help. I need to talk to somebody. I need to do this, I need to do that. I'm, I'm the exact same way. I, got a, I have a coach right now, I got a counselor right now. I, I got people that help me do my stuff. And I do this for a living, I know the answers, but I gotta, I gotta have some more tools, right? Um, yeah. Is your 15 year old a boy or girl? She's a girl. Tell me about your relationship with her. Well, she, I, I'm not 100% sure she likes me. Um, Hold on. Say that uh, in a more like, uh, honest way. I think she hates me. Why? Uh, Why? I think her mother turned her turned her against me. Okay. She tried to commit suicide twice in my house. Okay. I admitted her twice to a uh, mental institution mm -hmm. uh, to get treatment. <laughs> and uh, you know, she she actually wrote a letter to me, attacking me, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, blaming me for all of her problems. And the therapist that she was seeing actually said that she attacked me because she felt safe with me mm -hmm. or some crap like that. I didn't believe her, the therapist. Uh, and she actually had a one-on-one -on -one session with me because apparently I was really agitated, <laughs> but, uh, Brian, Brian, she, Brian, Brian, she's put, she's been through a lot yeah. way more than what any kid should be. You know who else has been through was, a lot? You. Who? Oh, yeah. Brian, your daughter tried to die twice and she blamed you for yeah. it. And by the way, your therapist was probably right. How old was she? Oh, she was uh, 12. Okay. And she tried it twice within six months. You know what we don't let 12 year olds do? We don't let them drive. We don't let them buy guns or beer because they're kids. Yeah. And as much as what she said hurt you deeply, you did not fail that 12-year-old girl. In fact, you're her lifeline. And 12-year-olds say crazy things. I have a 12-year-old now. And they do crazy things because they're 12. But you're not a crappy dad. 
You didn't fail your kid. You didn't break your kid. Well, I mean, I, I, I failed her when she was six, really. <laughs> you know, her, one of her mom's boyfriends uh, assaulted her for two years under her nose, and that was pretty bad. Did you know that? I didn't find out until my ex-wife called me and said, we're heading over to the hospital because we got to do a rape kit on Kylie. And I'm like... Then you didn't fail so, your daughter. Did you show up? I was there, yeah. Then you yeah, were there with her in the fire, my brother. Listen, until you let Brian off the hook, everything's going to feel like it's on fire. Yeah. I thought I thought being this call, you don't like uh, your wife, and that may be true. Um, you don't like Brian. I think I don't. I think I hate myself. I don't think so. I know so. Yeah. And that's got to stop because you're a good dad. You're a dad filled with rage. And if my little, I have a six-year-old little girl. And if I found out she'd been sexually assaulted, I would be filled with rage too. To the point that I couldn't breathe and I couldn't see. Okay. Yeah. And if one of my, if my 12-year-old tried to hurt himself and blame me for it, I would be sick and disgusted and I would call myself a failure. Your responses have been right, but that doesn't mean they're true. Yeah, yeah, I guess. No, I, just, I don't guess. I don't guess. I'm telling you, have I, have I lied to you yet? No. No. No, I mean, I just, I feel like a pretty bad dad. Exactly. And the way most men deal with, I feel pretty bad is I got to blame somebody else because I don't have the tools to look in the mirror and say, whoa, what happened? So you think I'm throwing all that crap on my wife? I'm almost guaranteeing you are. Or you're creating a home that makes it hard to win in. I don't know your need. I don't know how I can meet your needs to a way where you will be at peace because you have no peace. You have no capacity for peace. And so when I try to meet your needs, then it comes out somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else. And at some point I'm out. I'm out because I can't, I can't, I can't. It's like playing a baseball game in the, and there's no strike zone. They just keep calling strikes and you don't know where the, like, I'm not going to, I'm just quit batting. I don't know what we're doing here. Now, if your wife was on the phone with me, I would be having a hard conversation with her, but she's not. And ultimately at the end of the day, you cannot control her behavior. You can't control what she does, what she doesn't do, the fact that she's failing exams, she's failing a test, that she's taken 10 years to do something that was really uh, one to two years at most of a project, right? You can't. You can't fix any of that stuff. And yelling and screaming and being pissed off I just sends people into fight or flight, and there's not a lot of accomplishment that comes on the back end of that. What you need, dude. I don't yell and scream at her. I know, dude, but you're like... I don't want to stress her out even more for the next test, you know? I know, I know. But, dude, you know what makes it even... (laughs) Me and you are more similar than than you think. And you know what my superpower was? I never, ever, ever yell when I'm pissed. Never. But, dude, I can be really violent with my silence. My silence can fill up a room. 
it's yeah, a, I do the same thing. It's a nuclear reactor energy. And my kids know to back out. My wife knows to not engage. And then I can be righteous and have all the indignation in the world be like, I didn't say anything. What? Oh, oh everybody hates dad because I'm so tired because I've been working my butt off. Of, right? No, yeah. I knew exactly what I was doing. In fact, if I yell, people can point at me and go, that guy's crazy. But if I'm a nuclear reactor, you know what they do? They go in the mirror and think they're crazy. Yeah. Sort of like a manipulation almost. <laughs> kind of. So here's, the, here's your path forward, my brother, okay? Path number one is you're going to have to write Brian, the Brian that nine years ago found out that somebody sexually assaulted his daughter. You're going to have to write that Brian a thank you letter and say thank you for showing up and doing the best you could in the single most nightmarish situation I can imagine. It's pretty bad. It is. And you're going to have to write the Brian of three years ago, of four years ago, another letter. It says, you are such a good father that you are the only one that a spun out, terrified, terrified little 12-year-old child could throw a dart at. Because even she was wise enough to know that mom's too reactive. I can't, I can't, mom's not safe. And you need to write that guy a note that says, thank you for loving your daughter even though that hurt. Yeah. And then you're going to have to go sit down with your wife and say, I'm sorry. I've been scared for 10 years. I haven't liked myself for 10 years. I've been walking around with stories in my head for 10 years. I'm anxious. I'm alone. And I need you to hear me say, here's a couple of things I'm really scared about. I'm scared about ending up completely alone. I'm scared about not having enough money for these kids. I'm scared that another one of my kids is going to hate me and try to hurt themselves again. I need to put those things on the table. The word that nobody likes to say, especially tough guys, is vulnerable. You have to say, you can hurt me with what I'm about to tell you and I'm asking you not to. And what I'll tell you is this, Brian. You're going to feel uncomfortable if you did all those three things. Even you want to take one, one step further. If you read those two letters that you wrote to nine, year, nine years ago, Brian, and... uh three or four years ago, Brian, you read those to your wife and then you sat down with her and had this conversation. After all this, then you can sit down and you get to the point and say, I don't know what to do about your school. I'm harboring a lot of frustration and, and anger because I feel like you don't want to be finished. And I feel like I've created a world where you can't win, right? Take ownership. Yeah. Uh, you've, you know, Jocko is like, my buddy Jocko, he, like, yeah, like, take ownership. Just take it. Even if it's not all your blame, take, I'm going to take ownership of this. I'm going to need to do some healing and learn some new skills. And I'm going to need us to dream together. And all of this is a completely uncharted water for you. This is you walking out into the woods with a machete saying, I got to cut my own path here because I don't know what I'm doing. But I will tell you this. Being raged up and pissed off at your wife will solve nothing other than you not being married anymore. Being pissed off and angry and raged out will solve nothing other than your kids will learn he's not safe to be around. 
And what I would say is look back on the last 10 years and say, has this, has this, has this operating strategy worked in my home? The answer is no. So the true answer is, okay, I got to do something different. I'm taking a knee. I'm saying, I'm sorry. Hang on the line here. I'm going to send you a copy of my new book. I'm going to send you two things. I'm going to send you a copy of my book and I'm going to send you the digital one so you can listen to it in the car while you're driving. Okay. I'm going to send you an audio book and the new book, Own Your Past, Change Your Future. My guess is, Brian, if you and I talk long enough, we would go back to when you were a kid because some of these stories have been rattling around for a long time. And what I'll tell you is you are too good of a man and you work too hard and you love too deeply to have this little peace in your life, to be this lonely, to be this all by yourself, trying to hold this thing together. And I'll give you the tools to start healing that, okay? I'm grateful for you, appreciate you. And I gave you hell at the beginning of this call. I'm not gonna apologize for it, but I appreciate you being honest and going back and forth with me. But I love you and I want you to have peace in your life, peace in your home and peace in your family. You deserve that. Your kids deserve that. Your wife deserves that. And the grandkids you've never met, they deserve that too. We'll be right back. It seems like everybody's talking about how crazy the housing market is right now and how powerless homebuyers feel. Mix that with the stress of moving and life change and job change, and you've got a tornado of anxiety fueling one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. This is not a good idea. So if you're a new home buyer right now, my advice to you is to focus on what you can control, like the people you choose to help you in the home buying process. You need folks like my friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a Ramsey trusted provider that's been helping people with their home mortgages for decades. And their home buyer edge program will help you skip a bunch of the stress. Here's how it works. Apply to become a Churchill certified home buyer and cap your interest rate for 90 days. Then you'll get a $5,000 seller guarantee to help your offer stand out. So go ahead, take a deep breath because Churchill has your back. Check them out at churchillmortgage.com slash Deloney and get the home buyer edge today. All right, we're back. Let's go to Becca in Seattle, home of Pearl Jam and Allison Change. What's up, Becca? Hi, how are you? Partying. What about you? I'm good. Thanks for talking to me again. Of course. Uh, yes. Hey, this is the second time. The last caller called about a year ago or however many months ago, and we got another repeat caller. This is fantastic. So what's up? Um. So the last time we talked, we were. I was just before deployment number one with my daughter, and now we are knee-deep in deployment number two. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> It's okay. We uh, we learned a lot from the first one, and it's completely different. And nothing that happened in the first one applies to the second one. So it's, <laughs> it's like having kids, man. It's like oh, I got this figured out. Like nope, <laughs> nope. right? Um, so she, my daughter's three, um, uh-huh. and she is a nut. Um, she's absolutely <laughs> great. Uh, she holds on so tight um, yep. to everything and everyone, um, especially me. And so I feel like I'm kind of, sorry, I'll get to my question. Um, so how do I create no, 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 boundaries? No, 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 oh, no, sorry. no, that was important. What were you going to say? You feel like what? <laughs> I feel like um, I'm kind of at the end of my rope. Yep. Sort of. I'm so tired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm so tired. And this actually has to do with that. Um, and so I, uh, 
So how do I create boundaries with my three-year-old without weaponizing our relationship or making my presence a punishment for her, specifically at bedtime? Oh, um, that's so good. You are using my words against me, and I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, in the car, you know, I listen to your stuff, and I love it. And so I heard that, and that, like, it keeps rattling around in my brain because I'm trying to transition her into doing Bigger girl, obviously not big girl things, but like bigger kid things and being a little bit more independent. And our days are great. Like I work full time. And so she goes to a daycare where she loves it. She's so happy. Her teachers are amazing. They, they know every transition. We have great communication with them. We come home, we go to the park, we have dinner, we read books, we do bath time and then bedtime comes. And she just looks at me with those big brown eyes that I gave her. And she's like, don't leave me. Yes. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I lost whatever mom gene I was supposed to have because I can't do like co-sleeping. Mm-hmm. I will be awake all night. It scares me. Her room is her safe place. Mm-hmm. And so for her to be in my room, I'm like, she's going to fall off the bed. And she's going to crawl off the bed and climb on a dresser. Like, I I don't sleep when she's in my room. And so we've been doing this, and she's three, and I've been the only person getting up to get her. And so I can't remember the last time I slept through the night, which is not a big—I feel like this is a very common parent thing, but I—because I've been doing that, now I feel like I— I'm not a super emotional person and I just break down crying because I'm so, <laughs> so tired. tired. Yes. And uh, then I, okay. my default reaction is kind of anger and I've worked really hard in my life to not do that and to go towards other things and to like take a second and, and not do that. And now I feel like I'm, I don't even realize how angry I am until my brain comes around to realizing how mad I am. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I feel like I'm behind. Yeah. Oh man, I would, (laughs) if your husband wouldn't kill me, I would hug you if you were sitting right here. Um, I have a, he He wishes he could hug you too. I know he does. I know he does. Um, I have a couple of, let me write these down because I'm afraid we're going to, um, okay, man, number one, let's, let's pretend there was no deployment. Three o'clock, I mean, three-year-old and bedtimes is the worst, okay? So you've got 20 things happening all at the same time. Hear me say this. I have a smile on my face. You're doing a great job, okay? And you didn't just hear the last call where we get, we're yelling at each other. You are doing a great job, okay? And the chaos you feel and the this is never going to end – all of that is, I mean, I couldn't tell you how normal it is, okay? Yeah. Um, it doesn't help, but it doesn't make it like, oh, yeah. cool, we're all struggling with expensive beef. That doesn't make us less hungry, but it makes yeah. us feel less crazy, okay? Yeah. The two words I heard you say, I mean, the, the, I heard you say one word a lot, and then another word just kept coming to me, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and that sounded all woo-woo, like, I have a word spoken to me, like, not, not like that. Um... <laughs> And and feel free to push back on anything, okay? Okay. You said, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel a lot, okay? Yeah. Here's a crazy thing that happens when it comes to feeling a lot is your kid, 
can quickly become our emotional regulation blanket. Mm-hmm. I feel better. I'll just use me. I feel better when I'm hugging my six-year-old daughter. When I'm watching some knuckleheaded little movie, whatever kid nonsense they want to watch, about dinosaurs mm-hmm. and dragons, I don't know what the crap we're watching. I li- my heart rate will slow down, and I've tracked it on like a wrist strap when she snuggles up next to me for about 20 or 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And intuitively, she feels that. And so the more exhausted and spun out you get, this is a crazy thing, the more she can feel like I have to be near her to help. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that she's, last month she started getting really angry. Mm. And I was like, this is, it's, and I know why. Like I, and I've listened, I know she's a sponge and she picks up everything. And so, and especially because it's just her and I, and so I'm the person that she's getting all this from. And so that's why now I'm like, well, she's, she's, she's slowly yeah. developing her own too, right? It's, it's this weird yeah. mix. Here's the other word that keeps coming to mind to me. Tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You sound really, really tired. You sound really exhausted. You sound really burned out. Can I tell you what you really sound? Uh, sure. You sound completely and totally alone. You sound really yeah. lonely. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. I imagine you're working all day and she's at daycare and you want to make sure that I've got to do both parent roles. So I've got to spend extra time at the park, at dinner, having fun, reading books, singing songs, doing bath. And then, right, I've got to make sure all that time is accounted for. Otherwise, my daughter will fall off because husband's gone. And this is what moms do. And we got to do this. We got to do this. Your daughter would benefit tremendously. If one night a week you got a babysitter that she loved or sent her to a friend's house, a parent, another parent, and you went and hung out with some girlfriends and just hung out. Mm. She would benefit so much. But she's already gone all day. It doesn't like, matter. I, already... it, I, I know, but, but you're, coming ho- you're coming home with a hole in your heart. And part yeah. of that hole is your husband, fair. But you're coming in with a hole in your heart, which is connected, connectivity to a tribe. Your body recognizes you are all alone. It's a very normal response. And yet, you feel this guilt and obligation to do every minute of every day with her that she's not at daycare because I'm such a terrible mom that I send her to daycare, right? It's all this guilt factory. I will push against on that because, like... I love having, she has a place to go. She has friends. She is, she's awesome. not upset when she goes. So I'll push against that. I don't feel guilt for sending her to daycare. Okay, good. Like in that specific scenario. Good. But I do feel guilt if she comes home and she sees me and she's so excited to be with me. And then I like push her off on someone else. I don't want her to feel like I don't want her around. Gotcha. Because she's, I like her. She's great. She's <laughs> right. three. She's little. Like she's, I'm not going to, I'm not that person that says my three-year-old's my best friend. She's great, <laughs> yes. but she's not my best friend. Good. Um, she knows she, she needs we, to see you have a best friend. Oh, yeah. And we need to model that we need to, we, here's what we need to do for her. We need to let her off the hook that it's her job to hold center of this home. Cause she's just three. She's not strong enough yeah. to hold that center. Yeah. So, once a week, we're going to let her know, no, mom goes to, mom's going out with her friends. You've been playing with your friends all day. Now, mommy's going to go play with her friends. Mm. And she may be like, no, mommy, no, for the first few times. And then it's going to become the way it is. 
Mommy goes and plays with her friends. And then what we're going to teach that three-year-old is, man, having a community was so important that once a week, mom left her kid to go to be with community because the only way she could fully parent was to be fully tethered to some to a gang. It's the only way it works. Is that fair? Yeah. And that's really, yeah. really hard. Yeah. Because <laughs> that means mom's going to have to go be awkward and be weird and show up oh, and be the, the new girl and the new... I, hate it. I know, it's the worst. <laughs> And so we let our kids be our excuse and we let Netflix be our excuse and we let our workout program be our excuse. We have, dude, I'm the king of excuses. The king. I the like king to read. Of, I have too many books. I like to read. Yep. <laughs> for real. Did you know I made a rule for myself? Here's how the rule I made. Um, I go to all these great cities all over the country doing events and things. And you know what I do? I sit in the hotel and read books like a loser, like a complete nerd. And so this summer I made a rule when I go to a new city, I got to go walk around. And so the rule I made is I have to get a new tattoo in every city. That makes me go to a place that I'm going to be uncomfortable with people I don't know. And I have to spend a lot of time just talking to people in awkward situations. And the last town I was in, we were in San Jose. I got a tattoo. I was with Kelly and Joanna and uh, we were doing some media there. And I had, I, the way I was all splayed out, I looked like I was getting a proctology exam. It was not comfortable. And I was just getting a tattoo on my arm, but it was not. Anyway, you know what? I hung out with a bunch of dudes. There was this rad, awesome gangster dude getting a tattoo on his neck. And we were talking, it was all, I, I got to meet all these people. I had to just put myself in that situation. And then when I did, it was fun, right? Yeah. It was fun. And then I had to explain to my daughter, like, dad, why do you keep drawing on yourself, right? All that, all that's part of it. But I have to go out and do those things. I know the science. I know the reality of it. And I got to make myself do it. And that's where you are, okay? Now, when it comes to the sleeping thing, this is World War II. No, this is World War Seven, Eight, Nine, and 10. The co-sleeping, not co-sleeping. Should we, should we not? You even said, I guess I lost my mom, Gene. No, you're not failing as a mom if you want a full night's sleep. Okay, you're not. You don't hate your kids because you need sleep. That's like saying, I can't take a full breath because I want my kid to have more oxygen in the room. It's not how that works, okay? It's not how it works. Um, and some parents, they're, they're, some kids are just do better when they are co-sleeping. Um, there was some seasons we did that. There were some seasons that we forced our kids into their room. They couldn't, like, you will be in your room. Then there were yeah. some seasons we set up a pallet on the floor because I'm like you. Yeah. If somebody's in my bed, it's a weird thing. But I just set up some, like, made a blanket bed on the floor. And in the middle of the night, you can come in. If you wake me up, you are choosing to never come into my room again. I'm going to lock my door. Mm. But if you come in here and you get into your special bed, you can do that. But yeah. don't, don't wake me up. If you choose to wake me up, then you're choosing to not come in here anymore. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Or um, tonight is sleep night for mommy. And so you're going to have to stay in here. Tonight you're sleeping in here. The more your child f doesn't feel like they are keeping you together, the more they can begin to practice sleeping. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Um, can I tell you I this? Know, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I... We've, I've, 
we've had to do a lot of transitions with her. And so even just like, finally we're at the place where I can hang out in her room for a couple minutes. We have a set amount of time. She's got this little thing that plays audiobooks, And so I stay for one chapter and then mommy goes and has stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And so she's okay. She doesn't cry. She's like, okay. Like once those chapters over, she's like, bye mom, go do your stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. And so I get out and do my stuff. And then at like midnight, one o'clock, she's awake and her eyes are open. And she's like, mommy, why did you leave me? And I'm like, all right. Um, and <laughs> okay, so I'm, hold on. we got to that. Okay, sorry. I'm going to tell you something I just told the caller before. <laughs> we don't let three-year-olds buy beer. We don't let three-year-olds smoke. So three-year-olds are going to wake up and say stupid three-year-old things. You didn't abandon your daughter. You didn't leave her. She just asked you a dumb question that just bangs right on that mommy cord, right? I know. And then I'm like, well, is it dumb? Because her her dad is in here. Like it's not. And then, (laughs) and then like she, John, you don't understand. Like she, when, when people visit, like my sister came to visit this summer and she was here for a couple of days. And then for a week, my daughter was asking why auntie left her. And so it's not, it's like, it's not just me and it's not my husband's everyone. Like anyone who comes into her life, she holds on so tight. Hey, hold on. She's three. I know, and I don't want her to feel that. Here's what she's feeling. She's just learning how relationships work. And some relationships are here all the time. And some people come and then they go. And then some jobs you have, there's extended periods of time where we're gone. And there's going to be extended periods of time where they're home. And so when she asks hard questions, you have to remember she's three and the only relationship picture she has is to her teacher, to a couple of knuckleheaded three-year-old friends and to her mom and to her dad, right? And so she has a picture of a relationship with mom where mom always stays. Aunt Susan looks just like mom. Cool. Aunt Susan's going to stay forever. Whoa, Aunt Susan left after a week. (laughs) Yeah. Why did she leave? Why did she leave? Why did she leave? It's not, it's not, it's not her pointing out. (laughs) <laughs> it's not like I ask Kelly every day, why are you drinking again? Why are you drinking? I, I, <laughs> she doesn't. She just covered her face. She doesn't drink at all. <laughs> but like, it's not like I'm like, hey, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you? Like, that's, that is like, I'm, I as an adult am asking that question because there's like a performance issue or like a, yeah. a three-year-old's just trying to figure out the boundaries of the world. Yeah. It's up to, it's up to you as an adult to choose to not internalize that as some sort of performance metric that says you're failing because you're not. You're doing so good. So good. And when she says, the, mo- the more matter of fact you can answer those questions, the better. Because she will be like a sponge for your responses. Mm-hmm. Okay? So when she says, mommy, why did you leave? You say, because mommy needs to sleep. And then I'm on to my next thing. And if you need to go in your room and shut the door and then cry and be like, I'm the worst mom, go do that. <laughs> but do it, take that from her so that when she asks these questions, she's just trying to figure out the boundaries. Why did Aunt Kim leave? Why did Aunt Susan leave? Why did Aunt whoever leave? Because she's got her own home and she has to go home and sleep in her bed. And But she slept in our bed here. Yeah, this is our guest room. And she slept in our guest room. But her home is there. And that's where her friends are and her family is. And that's where her food is in her fridge. And so she had to go home. That's where her puppy is. And that's where she's got to go home. And you can say, you know, it'd be a gift. I really miss her when she goes. Just like I miss daddy. It's sad when people we love leave, huh? Yeah, it is. And now we're on to the next thing. You want to go watch a show? You want to go play? You want to go to the park, right? So now we're into the next thing. And I know she's, I know it's, it feels so nuclear and she's three. And let me say it again. Becky, you are doing such a good job. 
Such a good job. Such a good job. Such a good job. Don't equate every one of her questions and every one of her concerns and every one of her behavioral issues with, I have to make up because dad's gone. They're not all related. Some may be amplified, some may be exacerbated, but they're not all related. All three-year-olds ask, we used to have to tell my son, um, he used to say, everyone gets someone to sleep with but me. He was actually right. And it kind of broke my heart because he's like, I sleep all by myself. There's nobody in here. And I was like, ah, it's the worst. He's three. And both of us stayed there. Okay. You are doing a great, 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 great job. Great job. And dude, thank you for listening to the show. I'm so glad that you're with us. Call back soon. And hey, I want to talk to this husband of yours when he gets back. I'd love y'all to both call. And I'd love to hear how y'all are going to redo re-entry after a second deployment. Thank you for your service. Thank Kim for that. And um, thank that little three-year-old girl for her service too. Ah, I love her. We'll be right back. All right. Hey, what's up? We're back. Hey, I took too long on that first call today. So um, we took had a third caller and we're going to roll that call to the next show. Um, but real quick, somebody sent me this note. Um, so I want to make sure I get to, it's just an important question. Um, the question's from Ashley and she writes on June 27th, Dr. John said rest can be, can feel stressful if busyness is how you medicate. Um, and I think I may have posted that on social media or reposted that from somebody else, maybe from my buddy Ian Simpkins, but she writes, how do we do that? Nothing I've tried helps me feel relaxed, not a beach trip, not a massage exercise helps my anxiety, but it doesn't help me feel relaxed. Please elaborate. Here's what I found. And I've talked about this recently on the show. If your identity is in how busy you are, or if busyness, doing, 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 I've got another thing. I got to look at my list. I got to make sure this gets done. If this doesn't get done, oh, I got it all done. I've done my things and I got to go do these things. Once I get my list done, then I can go work on the garden. And once I get the garden finished, then I can, if that's your life, then rest, then getting a massage, going to a beach and doing nothing will feel like utter hell. Your body, it's, it'd be like, I drink in the evening. <laughs> That's gonna look great when somebody clips that. If you're somebody who drinks after work to feel better, like, or just to take the edge off, if you let's eat a drink after a hard day, and you do that every day for a week and then for a month, and then you have a hard day and you don't drink, your body will feel terrible. It will feel terrible. And so we often think, I'm just going to go get a massage. I'm just going to go to the beach and lay on the beach for a week. If busyness is how you deal with the, the pain in your life, if busyness is an identity, if being busy and running and gunning and go, 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 I'm a CEO or I'm a small business owner and then I run a marathon on the weekend and then I've got my kids and six different things. If that's you, then simply doing nothing will feel like torture. So... Um, I think I mentioned this. Um, I tried that, that. And by the way, this is me. This is me. Busyness is my medication. I don't do drugs. I don't, I don't hardly drink at all. Um, I, I'm busy. And busy is my heroin. It's my numbing device. I just take on too many things. I say yes to everything. And all, right. So that's my, that's my problem that I got to work through. Um, so what I used to do is I would be so busy until I was about to collapse. And then we'd go, my wife and I'd go away for two or three days because I was such a cheapskate and um, I couldn't ROI a vacation. And so let's just go. And then I think I mentioned on the show, 
I would have a big crazy dinner because we're finally on vacation. And I'd have um, a couple of drinks because we're finally on vacation. And then let's do something in the morning. And I'd be like, no, I'm finally sleeping in. And then suddenly it's 1130 or 12 the next morning, just watching episodes of The Office reruns on some hotel TV. And then I go eat again because the only thing to pick up my blood sugar is another meal. And then just within a couple of days, I'm exhausted. I'm more exhausted. I'm kind of grumpy to be around and my body starts itching. I'll start checking my work email. I'll start like trying trying to do a project that's down the road. I just start itching. I got to do, I got to do. This last time, um, uh, my wife and I took a long vacation. And on that vacation, I think I mentioned this on the show, we were highly intentional about a couple of things. We exercised like crazy. Um, I took full advantage. I saved my money for weeks, for months. And um, I visited the spa several times. Like I got several massages and I put the money in to make sure I, I don't just, we just got money falling from the sky. We're going to make sure that I've got time for this because touch is important. Working it all out is important. And we got out in nature a lot. And then we booked some, we're going to go do these things together. And being with other people, number one, she's my best friend on the planet. She's awesome. Doing things together with her is, is enjoyable for me. So that was number one. I had somebody else with me. We had some very clear things that we were not going to cancel. And I was moving my body. I, after day three, entered a state of rest that I have not experienced ever in my, that I have any sort of recollection. The, the last couple of days of this week getaway, um, I had more important thinking. I had more peaceful thoughts. I had more, hey, I really need to work on this. Just more clarity. And so those three things, if busyness is how you medicate, then when you get away, make sure you do it with somebody else or other people that you have community with. Make sure you are exercising. Do too much. What do I, it, so not, don't overdo it and injure yourself. But make sure you're going to go to the gym in the morning and sign up for a yoga class. We paid 10 bucks and we went to just some rando yoga class in the evening. I did not want to go. I did not want to do that. It was worth going. And then we went on another long hike the next day. And then I went back to the gym later that evening. Right? I just kept, I kind of pushed it, pushed it pretty hard. And then we had some appointments that we didn't miss. And then we had one crazy get off the rails meal. It was awesome. It was ridiculous. And, uh, but we ended up eating a lot more sensibly throughout the week and it just made us all feel better. And we felt better. We were in better moods and we were in better moods. We were able to rest, right? So that's what I would tell you. If you struggle with busyness as a drug, you got to deal with the core issues. What are you running from? What are you running from? What are you running from? So it's a great, great question, Ashley. And I hope my answer helps. Um, I love these questions when you write them in and I'll start doing a better job of answering these email questions. We get some great ones in. Um, but hopefully, hopefully I answered your question there. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we are back, the uh, song of the day is a song I've never heard by a band I've never heard of. Are you a fan of this band? 
It is a she. It's not a band. Okay. Um, it's I, called Nightbird. It's not like it's like Susan. Night Birdie. <laughs> Night Birdie. That's what she goes by. She was on America's Got Talent, um, and she recently passed away from okay. cancer. Okay. So um, I wasn't familiar, but Sarah is, and uh, she's got a great, there's a great story that goes with it, and it's a beautiful song. Night Birdie. Excellent. Song is by Night Birdie. I'm going to make sure I listen to this. This is going to be the next song I listen to. It's a great song. Sarah? Excellent. Song's called It's Okay. And it goes like this. I moved to California in the summertime. I changed my name thinking that it would change my mind. I thought that all my problems would stay behind. I was a stick of dynamite and it was just a matter of time. Oh, dang, oh my. Now I can't hide. Said I knew myself, but I guess I lied. I have heard this song. This is tremendous. It's okay. If you're a little lost, we're all a little lost and it's all right. And if you're lost, we're all a little lost and it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. And I wrote a hundred pages, but I burned them all. I drove through yellow lights and I didn't look back at all. I don't look back at all. I don't look back at all. And you can call me reckless. I'm a cannonball. I don't know why I take the tightrope and cry when I fall. Ah, dang, oh my. Now I can't hide. Said I knew what I wanted, but I guess I lied. It's okay. If you're lost, we're all a little lost and it's all right. And this is what we do on this show, man. We sit with folks who are lost and we'll see you soon.